couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to Our Friendly World. Better, Stronger, Together. Good evening. No, I'm not cutting anything. Oh, dear. How are you guys? Welcome to our friendly world. This is fun. And Matt. How are you doing? What are you up to? What you doing? Oh, man, I'm feeling energized today. You're in trouble. I I was, I know. You know what? I I woke up feeling like I was in trouble. My mind is really (laughs) (laughs) preoccupied. I feel not so light in the head. Like too many thoughts, too many responsibilities, too many wants and desires and too many frustrations in my head right now. I've been there, but feeling like laser focused. today. I'm glad. Okay. I will start with a pearl of wisdom. Pearl of wisdom because I usually start by saying it's a nugget of wisdom from Santa Monica. This one is a pearl because it has to do with transcending time and being a parent being a grandparent or not that you're a grandparent or a parent per se but it's 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 the feeling it's the responsibility aspect of it it's the aspect of taking care of someone regardless of your age and taking care of them as far as emotional goes all right so i when you listen to If you guys have listened to the very, very first episode, it's called The Mentor. The Mentor. It is me talking about my mentor, and that's the city of Santa Monica. When I was a kid, Santa Monica was always around. I had no idea I was being influenced by this entity. And by the time I was 16, 17, most of my friends were out of high school. They were in their 20s. They were working professionals. I worked with them Mm -hmm. and the people that I worked with had other friends. So we all became friends and I was the youngest one in the group. Gotcha. And one friend was, this was before gay marriage, but they were kind of married. They were together. Um, two, two men in their twenties, um, beautiful people and so loving to me. And they really took me under their wing and because I was having so many problems with my family and there were, there was so much I was, there was so much I was working on. I was working on my portfolio, trying to figure out how to make it as a professional photographer, even back then as a kid. And they helped me out when they were gorgeous. They were my models cause I did these elaborate fashion shoots back <laughs> then. And, but they were, um, Michael was, um, like at the, higher level tier of this 
I don't know if it was a chain back then, but it was a hair, a pretty well-known hair salon. So he was this really talented hairdresser. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because I always had that in, in my field, in my field, I always had martial artists around me and people that were involved in makeup and hair. You know, because I mean, years later, I ended up working for the Aveda Corporation. Right. Right. And I was surrounded by that. It was like the professionals in the industry that worked in hair and makeup. Mm -hmm. So anyway, when I would visit my friends, they lived right on the boardwalk. The Pearl of Wisdom comes from a place, a restaurant, an Italian restaurant. And Matt, you'll remember. But this restaurant was part of the influence for me when I was a kid, like it was always around and it was Bruno. Remember Bruno's restaurant? I was about to ask if it was Bruno's, but yeah, of course it must be right there at the base of the, literally the boardwalk. And it was always, yeah, exactly. It was right on the corner and the food was lovely. Indeed. But what was really amazing and comforting was the owner. It was always him, always working, always cooking. You walk in, there he is. He's waving at you. He's always smiling at you. But he was like a caretaker. He was like a guardian angel for that area. And it, and I just felt like, especially at that age, I needed comfort. So my friends gave me comfort. Mm-hmm. But also Bruno's gave me comfort. Like he was always there. And there was just the whole nourishing part of life. That was Bruno's. It was always there. He was always there. Right. So years later, I mean, many years later, he was still there. And I remember hanging out with him. And I was hanging out now with, now we're, you know, much older. <laughs> I am anyway. And I'm hanging out with a friend who's a dad. Mm-hmm. And he has a teenager. And this teenager of his is out of control. Oh, dear. Right. And we were always talking about this. I'm like, why is it the parents look so old? And I remember we were watching Oprah together one day. We were just sitting in his apartment. (laughs) And we were looking at, this was a long time ago, but we were looking at a a panel. And I don't remember what the discussion was about. But they were were parents. And they were talking about their children. Mm -hmm. And they looked really old to me. So I looked over to my friend. I'm like, because they said how old they were. Okay. And I was shocked that they were actually that young because they looked really old. And I looked at my friend. I'm like, why do they look like that? He didn't even skip a beat. He goes, they're parents. <laughs> hey <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, it, it's stressful, Fawn. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And so anyway, that's when he started talking about you know, what he's going through with his son, with his teenage son. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy is out of control. You know, he doesn't talk. He, he's into bad things, but I don't know exactly what is happening. There's no communication. It's like the tantrums are on another level when they're at, at that age. Tantrums. I was about to say, and you would call them tantrums. I, I now would call them tantrums because I've seen tantrums take place not only with toddlers, but heads of CEOs. I've seen tantrums in politics. I've seen tantrums just in regular business. It is ridiculous. It is 
If I can step away from it, it is quite comical, but it's not really. Well, when you're emotionally connected, it's really hard to step away. So, okay. Well, I mean, not just being emotionally connected, but like, obviously you have to do business with someone, even Mm -hmm. if you try to remain unemotional about it and like level headed, it is crazy. Like, are you serious right now? That type of thing. (laughs) Anyway, so back to Bruno's. Um, So I was sitting with my friend who has the son that's out Mm -hmm. of control and we're just sitting there trying to calm down and like just trying to have a nice afternoon, right? You know how we would go to Bruno's and we would just sit there and just eat an early dinner before we headed out and did other things. Right. So we're sitting there and Bruno comes from behind the counter. Like he's always, he was always there spinning and twirling the pizzas. Remember? (laughs) 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 And he was always busy, but he came, he came to our table and he's talking to my friend. He's like, and he gave him info on his son that he didn't have. Oh, snap. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, this guy kind of like I felt in a way watched out for me when I was a kid. And here he is. He still looks the same, has the same youthful thing that he had. And now he's still looking. He's doing the same thing. He's now looking out for this kid, Mm -hmm. right, for my friend Mm -hmm. who's the dad of this kid. And I was just blown away. But that's a nugget of wisdom right there. That's a pearl of wisdom. No matter your age, like that's the village, you know, he's, we take care of each other. In a way we are creating each other, you know, creativity, creative energy is brewing and very strong. You know, I always think about collaboration and creativity, the way we influence each other in conversation our experience with one another, they create an imprint. I I can be imprinted by your behavior. My behavior could be imprinted on you. Right. Your behavior towards me can create an an in and what's the word? An impression of you that will be forever imprinted. You know, I'm it, it happens in business with leadership with friendship, mm-hmm. all of the ships. <laughs> but like, you know, I'm thinking about one instance, if I'm going to talk about business. I had this experience where this person that I admired suddenly had an, a tantrum. Right. I mean, everybody can have a bad day though, right? It wasn't about a bad day. I could see it brewing. I've, I was watching this person for a while, right? Because one... I admired them. Mm-hmm. And two, because I felt like I was proud of them and I was wanting to just watch them to see how they navigate through life, okay. navigate through business. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty well known. You know, they're they're quite su- successful. But I was watching and I, and I was seeing little signs along the way that they could be wavering. The, or they could be, um, what's the word? Not necessarily being troubled, but like I could see a few hiccups happening. Right. And it wasn't apparent to people, but I, I was noticing like little tiny things in the ether here and there, if, if I can say that. Okay. I was just noticing certain things. Mm-hmm. And so one day I had a question and it was the same question I had had for a long time. 
And it was always um, pushed aside, like, oh, we'll get to that later. So we're in business, like, right? It's a business relationship. Uh-huh. And I have a legitimate question. I need right. to get something done. Mm-hmm. And it was constantly like, oh, when you get to it, when you're ready, we'll discuss it then. Right. And I kept saying, well, I'm ready. Can we discuss it now? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let's discuss it at this meeting. Well, that meeting comes up and there was no room for that conversation. So I said, once again, you know, I really need to figure this out and could we have a discussion or a call or something? But I, I, I use the word call as in, I didn't mean necessarily it has to be a call, but this person had a major tantrum (laughs) and I was so, I wasn't surprised because I could feel it coming from months ago. And you know, I tried to not step in the way because I don't know what it is what it is about me, but I, I, I tend to get the heat for things. If there's a whole group feeling this way, right, and it's targeted at maybe this leader that's not doing their job, mm-hmm. we we feel like they're not doing their job. They're right. phoning it in. Mm-hmm. It's not things aren't being done right. And if I'm in that group, I get scolded because. I I asked what I think was an innocent question, like, hey, can you help me with this? Right. And then all of a sudden I get the 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 lashing. Is that a word? You know, I get the tongue lashing. I I get the tongue lashing and I get the whip, you know? And everybody else can be like, Oh wow, that sucks. And meanwhile I'm here shaking, like, what right. the hell? Right, because you're very empty empathetic so yeah no i totally get it and you're getting now into leadership and how leaders process things and so often i think we go out into the world as babes in the woods and we don't know anything you know i i have a four-year degree in computer programming big whoop i learned some very cool stuff absolutely things that i still use every day but from a technological viewpoint oh my god there's you know you could fill many encyclopedias with the amount of technological stuff I don't know anything about. And the trick is, is that a leader, depending on the style and the type of leader you're trying to be, I think people are very much locked into this whole leave it to Beaver, Ward Cleaver, who always had a good answer. And you know, sometimes as a leader, you don't have a good answer and you need to be able to clearly communicate I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that. And that's hard for people because when you're seen as a leader, people like to view themselves. People think that they're seen up on a pedestal. And we've, we've talked about uh, mentors and things that ultimately, you know, I've never had somebody that I could emulate 100%. And that's just what it is. People are, end up being shite on one level or another. And... It's really hard to be that 100% emulatable kind of a person. And, you know, I'm willing to bet if you go digging for enough dirt, you're going to find it on everyone. Everybody screws up. And it's not about it's not about how, how you screw up. It's about what you do when you do screw up. Do you double down and, you know, attack the other person? Or do you really listen to their criticism or understand what they're saying and say, you know what, I don't have an answer for you right now. I'm going to find one for you. Okay, which you said it because I was going to talk about how ha. we how we always t- 
talk about mentors, right? And how you and right. I grew up looking for the mentor, mm -hmm. and we never found it. So we had to we had to pretty much do things on our own. Well, because the parents suddenly didn't have any answers for I think probably for the age that we were in, like the right. ages in society like had changed so much. There's so much information. Everything is constantly new. Mm -hmm. But then you made the devil's point of, well, it's always been new for the past century and a half. Like everything's changed. It seems that way for sure. And But I, then we had mentors way, 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 way back during mm -hmm. when the change started to happen. You know, I just felt like back then, years ago, like 100 years ago, there was, even though we the change had started, like we had so many advances with technology mm -hmm. and we had the car, the phone, the fax, the, the, the well, cell phone. Well, hundred years ago we didn't have cell internet. phones, but yeah. But no, I'm saying how it started. Mm -hmm. Like we had suddenly there was a car. Right. No more horse carriages needed. You know, suddenly we had washing machines in the house or a telephone in the house. Then we had all of a sudden a cell phone you can walk around with. Right. Then we have the internet, you know, all that, like, in a short amount of time within the last 100, 150 years, would you say? Things would, have changed I would just a go lot. 100 years. Just, right. just keep it clean like, at 100 years, but yeah. But, like, I'm saying it feels like 100 years ago we still had the journeyman and the, you know. The, the apprentice, the journeyman, right, exactly. and the master, and things were pretty much a straight line, and odds are you knew, and actually maybe more about 150 years ago because if you really think about it so i was right 150 ago, 100 years ago we were just coming out of world war one but so do you see what i'm what i'm getting at back then there was that respect of like okay this person knows their stuff and they did right and they 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 may have had tantrums in other places but as far as their work they were seen as level-headed and, you know, the, the leader, like you took care of business. Right. Like think about even the soldiers that went into World War II and think about the population around the world, what they all sacrificed for. And I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm advocating war. I'm not. But I what I am intrigued by is how everyone pulled together for one common cause. And I'm right. saying there is no more one common cause and there's no more one common kind of like a mentor in any particular field i feel like and if there are people out there like that please let me know guys our friends that are listening please because i've been searching forever and i have not found it and so what i'm saying is it's not you i was going to also bring up the mentor thing that you just talked about and also it's also the capacity thing that we always talk about also People don't have the capacity to lead. Like, what is going on? What, why is it that our, our leaders can't handle the job? Like, you really, you have one job to do, and you're there to support well, do your you, people. Do you have one job to do? If you're in public service, if you're a politician, you're a public servant, uh -huh. right? Okay, go ahead. You're there to serve, but I feel like it's just... Everybody is in um, the mode of survival, so it's take care of your own. That's it. You know, and that's where things get truly interesting, doesn't it? Let's talk about politicians. But before that, I just wanted to bring up the whole tantrum thing again. Okay, tantrum. That's what I don't understand. Like I, I'm noticing. So, for example, 
with this person that I worked with, mm-hmm. had the tantrum. Right. I mean, for ne- for forever now, she has imprinted herself as a toddler to me. Mm-hmm. And the respect is gone. Right. And that's a big one. Because like, I, all of a sudden, I had to put aside what I had to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm taking... It wasn't like, so it's a work situation that has nothing to do with, you know, it wasn't, um, what do you call it? It wasn't a job. I'm learning something, correct? So we're in a learning situation and there was no learning happening. It was just phoning it in is, was our, our perspective as the students, right? Mm -hmm. So it's still a business transaction, right? Right. You're paying a teacher. They're supposed to help you. Right. Um, what was I saying? I totally forgot. Tantrum toddler? Well, yeah, forever. They've they've lost my respect. And there you have it. And that's it. And really it had to do with communication, but I could tell I I had to stop I I had to completely stop that relationship. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is it's not that I stopped talking to them, but I had to stop looking at them as teachers. I had to start looking at them as wounded, screaming toddlers that need help. Right. So I was no longer concerned about my questions being answered or what I needed to be done, to be taken care of. But now I'm like, wow, I can see you're in pain. I can see that you're frustrated. I can see that. So... I'm going to try to erase that frustration for you. Don't worry about me. I'll figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, no. You're what, what you're doing in essence is you're being a compassionate parent to this person. Yeah. So forever they are now imprinted as someone that is a screaming toddler. Right. And, and unfortunately or Fortunately or unfortunately, and mostly unfortunately, I think you're going to take a look at this person who's supposed to be teaching you things as I'm going to take whatever you're offering and and run it through my filters and try and understand it. But if I come back to you with a question that's off topic or a question that's going to be challenging, I'm going to expect perhaps for you to respond the same way, which really kind of hinders that learning process. And by the way, the question I was asking was totally in sync what what we were supposed to learn well and that that's the fun part is you absolutely believe that and obviously this person feels differently about it somehow so yeah. it's it's and there's, you know what? there's the and trick that, that's where the communication comes in because they could have said i can't answer that but they didn't say that they said we'll answer that when you get to it when you're ready right anyway i don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of it mm-hmm. but what i want to say is it's just interesting. This is all within the realm of what I was saying, that we are creating each other. Every relationship, every interaction that we have, right? we are creating something with mm-hmm. each other. We are creating each other. And what is it that we're creating? You know, do they know that they're, they're creating that from our perspective, that they're now children and no longer authorities or leaders? They're no longer a leader. Well, it's, it's because you're you're not able to be, like I, I I always say, we and it's going back to the other thing we talk about, which is 
be a good host in the world. Mm -hmm. The world is your home. And even the strangers that you come in contact with on the street, you're just walking by. That person is your guest. Make them comfortable in your home. Right. And if everyone did that, it would be a different kind of a place. Very much so. No, no, no. And again, absolutely right. I mean, on some level now, this instructor becomes like a YouTube video that, you know, you watch and you're like, hmm, that's interesting. Thank you. And maybe it helps you and maybe it doesn't. But at the end of the day, you've lost a certain essence. So, yeah. So I want to like, I want to gently steer us. No. Um, yeah. I want to talk about um, something that I've come into contact with, which has been, I was in an interview and somebody threw these two words at me and I was like, what the heck is this? And the two words were servant leader. Ooh, what does that mean? And this is where we, we, it's almost like we have to walk through, we're walking through a swamp now because it's a tricky, it's a tricky, tricky thing because once you start adopting a certain leadership philosophy or whatever, I mean, you really, on some level, it needs to imprint on your soul. You know, you really have to believe it. Like everybody wants to say, Ooh, I'm a transformative leader. Well, what does that mean? What does that not mean? What does it mean to be a servant leader? What does it not mean to be a servant leader? And unfortunately or fortunately, servant leader, a lot of people have glommed onto it and a lot of people have tacked on literary figures, historical figures to it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think it kind of, it is what you choose to make it. So saying the original servant leader was Jesus Christ well, okay, fine, but if I'm Jewish, if I'm Muslim, if I'm Hindu, does that divorce me from it? Does that make me feel weird about it? The fact that people have said that um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. espoused this philosophy, the fact that people have said, oh, my favorite author, Herman Hesse, or Hesse, depending on who you want to talk about it, the guy who wrote Siddhartha, the guy who wrote uh, Magister Ludi, he alluded to the whole concept of, of a servant leader in one of his books, The Journey to the East, which he wrote right after Siddhartha. But that's beside the point. And basically, the philosophy comes from the fact that, you know, as you ascend the quote-unquote hierarchy inside of a business or a, you know, institution of some kind, that you become more and more responsible to the people under you. It's not about gratifying your ego. It's not even about serving your clients, which, wow, that sounds more than a little counter. It's about serving the people who report to you and putting those people ahead, people first, a very important concept, and also to collaborate with them compassionately. So people come to a leader, quote unquote leader, and you can be a leader even if you're a quote unquote team member. Leadership has nothing whatsoever to do with you are officially the senior manager in charge of TPS report. No, a leader is just somebody that people know are going to help them. It's a pretty simple thought. Help them. So it's about... When somebody comes to me with a problem, not making them feel stupid. Because the instant I make them feel stupid, they're gone. And they should be. 
I have no interest in talking to somebody who's going to be like, you don't know that? Oh my God. Or having a tantrum on me. You know, you basically, you've lost your leadership as far as I'm concerned, which is kind of a scary world because if you're a teacher but not a leader, because theoretically a teacher should be leading a discussion, should be leading people towards knowledge, as soon as you lose that, it's really, you can't get it back, first of all, I don't feel. And secondly, you know, people are going to try and go around you, circumvent you, and you're in a very unhealthy kind of situation then. Okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate. <gasps> oh, dear. I, I'm thinking about it, and I think you can get it back. But if you keep on with that same tantrum, if you keep on with your rigid view, if you're not flexible, no, there's no way you're going to get that leadership back. Never. And the reason why I said you'll but, never get it back is because that's the rule. Not the exception, that is the rule, and everybody feels they are the exception. Yes, you can certainly get it back, but you gotta do something, you gotta dig deep. You that's what do I was gonna say. Dramatic. That's what I was gonna say. You can't stay in that same spot in in no matter what you've done, staying with the conviction that you are in the right. You know, as soon as this person that I'm talking about came back with a lashing, I immediately, you know, this is how I've always been because I grew up with a messed up family. I was always trying to figure out their point of view. Like, why are they doing this? Right. Why are they saying this? What have I done? Mm -hmm. That was like the first place I will always, that's the first place I'll always go to. Right. And so I went there again. I'm like, wow. So I understood her perspective completely. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it was still not okay. Like that was not warranted. That that lashing that she sent my way, right. it was it was way out of line. But what I'm saying is, it happens. Everyone's human. To be leader, you have to be human. But so one of our favorite shows is Ted Lasso. Is that what it's called, Ted Lasso? Yes. So remember when Ted all of a sudden unleashed. The fury. The fury. It and happened poor on poor Nate. Nate the Great. Like, so here's a Ted Lasso character who's like the most positive person. Um He's he's a he's, he's a, a great, coach. He's who, a great leader. Who is fish out of water. He's in England, he's coaching quote unquote soccer or proper football. And he was a football coach, like foot foot gridiron football American. coach in Kansas. Right. And he's now in England figuring stuff out. But what a wonderful leader he is. And he never loses his cool. Except when he does. But he did. Right? And you can say, okay, right. that's it, man. If I was that Nate character, I'd be like, F you, Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. But first of all, that other character was very special and like angelic. So He's a leader in his own way. Yeah, exactly. So he wouldn't have, he, he didn't let that get to him. He understood, right. wow, Ted's going through something, mm -hmm. right? So he was very understanding, right? right? He stepped back. But what did Ted do the next day? He came back and he apologized. Like he saw, he, he admitted that he was not in the right place. Right. And that perhaps he, not perhaps, but he didn't, he didn't use, what, what's the word for it? He didn't have the right way to. He didn't double down on his 
idiocracy, right, he if you will. Right. He was flexible. He, he, he realized he hurt somebody with his words, with his, not even his words, but his fury, just like his face was like a different person. Right. He just roared total <laughs> animosity at poor this other guy. Right. But you see, he turned it around, right? And because he was human, he, the other person was able to see he's human. That's okay. And he's still the leader. He's still someone I respect, especially because he just admitted to a wrong. Correct? Yes. But again, I feel that's more the exception that proves the rule. I think that typically leaders like to double down because unfortunately but that, but or fortunately a, or unfortunately, the last, not the last, but one of the principles of servant leadership is that you are the moral authority. So you know what's right. Wow. That seems a little too arrogant for me. That's yeah, one of that's those aspects much. I don't like. Yeah, no. That, no, that that needs that's an outdated definition of what a leader should be. Because well, we all have the moral authority. We all have something amazing to offer. But by the same token, there have been moments in my career where I have talked to somebody who set me properly on the morals of the company or the organization I was working for. Because I remember I was working on a system and I was like, yeah, but if I have access to the system, then I can do bad things. And wow. So I was talking to my boss's boss because it seems like I always tend to talk to my boss's boss. But anyways, smacked me basically, psychically and said, we don't hire people like that here. And on some level you can say, wow, dude, naive by the same token i mean he's he's basically saying i'm we when you when you work here you understand that you have this level of trust that you should not abuse and if we hire somebody who does abuse that trust they're done and you know we're gonna we're gonna do what we can to ensure that we don't hire people like that so i'm not going to immediately say you can't do this or it has to pass through some kind of official no because this was an emergency system and so things needed to go quickly as opposed to, but that's beside the point. But this is what I'm talking about when I say you have to be a parental figure because a parent needs to be stern. If you tell your child, hey, don't touch that stove, it will burn you. You have to be very firm about that and make sure that they are aware of that. There's no wavering here. But if I, as a parent, have a bad day and I unleash horrible fury where it's not warranted at all. Even if it is warranted, you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. You should find another way to communicate. But I am human, so I immediately have to re redirect myself and come back and say, what I did was wrong, please forgive me. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Okay, there's a difference between teaching like this is the proper way. Do not touch the stove, do not steal, do not do not do bad things with the code. <laughs> As and then having having a tough time and coming back and throwing your coffee at somebody. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. That's no, what no, I'm I talking about. Understand. I'm talking about being human and it works not in not just in business, but throughout all relationships, friendships. This is what is key. 
You cannot be rigid. We have to realize everybody is an authority in some way. And we are here collaborating. That's why I was saying we're, we're creating each other. It's a, it's a, it's a flow. Do you know what I'm saying? No, no, no. I completely understand. Again, back to compassionate collaborators. That's what a servant leader is supposed to aspire to. So they're not, I'm the expert on 100% of things, but I am, I maybe understand what the end goal is and I need to make sure that I communicate that because again, communication is always, always going to be probably the biggest indicator of success for any host, leader, and you can sometimes use these terms uh, interchangeably. You know, it's about the flexibility and the understanding and the and the compassion when you're, yeah, when you're going through even your communications, but certainly when you're actually, you know, collaborating with someone. And I think when compassion is left out, you no longer have leadership. You have a despot, correct? Yes. I mean, think about um, if there's a disaster in a state and a leader suddenly decides to take time off to get, aw- to get away from things. That would never happen. There's no compassion. Like, I, I would not. That's not a leader to me. I need someone to understand the situation of the people. Right. So if you're an army leader who's never... You know, I've never been in the army, so I don't know, but I can only imagine you have to be a really good leader. You know what it's like to be out in the trenches, right? How can you possibly lead properly if you don't know what that feels like? If you don't know all the elements that are involved in that or what's another example besides war, but like, remember a long time ago, there was a show undercover boss (laughs) I and think it were, might still be on, actually. They were talking about, this, there was this one show, uh, the boss was a head, the head of sanitation or something, mm-hmm. and he wasn't, he, he or she went undercover and they were driving the, the truck okay. to pick up trash, and the person, the boss, couldn't figure out why all of a sudden uh, one of the people would disappear every now and then, mm-hmm. and hide behind the truck or do something, and so they... The, the boss like who was incognito asked and it turned out that this person had to pee inside of a water bottle so never did the leader of the company realize wow this person performing this job mm-hmm. all day does not have a bathroom to go to right something so necessary and basic for human survival right is that a good leader I mean, obviously he put himself in that, he or she put himself in that situation to understand things that he may not know about or she may not know about, but really, or yeah, I mean, there are so many examples of this when you're, and you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it feels like when you are not the leader, you tend to have more compassion and more sensitivity because you're exposed to so much information you know, so many of the necessities that are needing to be in place. Mm -hmm. Those are what make great leaders coming from that and having that empathy, that compassion for people and their survival. Right. No, 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 no argument whatsoever. And to take us back to Ted Lasso for a second, what's like literally like the second thing he did? 
he, suggestion box. He fixed the water pressure. Well, no, he put down the suggestion box. Right. Right. And even though he got tons of abuse because obviously he's Yankee Doodle and blah, 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 blah. But ultimately speaking, he went through, he ignored all the insults and he, he, he passed that one off and he said, that's something we need to fix. Yeah. 99% was insults. Right. And those just bounced off him because that's what you, unfortunately you have to do because as a leader, you know, sometimes you're not well liked, but he also said, okay, I don't know what you say by even implementing a suggestion box is there's a lot I don't know. And I'm going to provide a forum for people to tell me. And if the internet has taught us anything, it's anonymous is, you know, can be good. And, um, you know, he implemented that and, you know, that showed again, leadership and that showed that, you know, he wasn't afraid to admit that there were things he didn't know. And you know, another great key was he didn't take it personally, right? Obviously there was a lot askew in that. Let's just use that as an example in that football team. There was a lot that was wrong. There was a lot of weird abuses going on and there was a lot of, um, inconsiderate things happening right. at all times. So for him to get a 99% um, insults in the suggestion box mm -hmm. was just an example of the air, the, the, the sense of being that just existed within that culture, right? So for them right. to say, wanker, 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 wanker. Oh, careful. Constantly. Right. Right. I, I apologize to our British listeners. It's from the show. I know, but still. <laughs> but for them to hurl all kinds of insults, it it's just indicative of the kind of feeling of that culture that existed. But he didn't take it personally. Right. He didn't. He just like moving on. And not to, well, I'm sorry, but I'm a great lover of TV and movies. But another great example is Elle Woods. From oh Legally Blonde. Here we go. I mean, talk about all kinds of insults being thrown at her. Mm -hmm. But like looking at that, the brilliance of this movie and the character was, you could see her kind of like, like as if someone's ringing a tiny little cute little bell. She would sh shrug it off and continue on. Well, again, I think that they both embody what I consider the Popeye principle, which is I am who I am. You know, they have a, I think that they both have that, strength of character in that they know who they are and you know if you know that you are strong and you know that you are fit and you know that you are beautiful if somebody calls you ugly you're like wow i guess you're having a bad day dude <laughs> you know what i mean i mean it's it makes it easier once you once you come to grips with exactly who you are and knowing that when people are hurling insults and tantrums it's really all about them and their pain right it has nothing to do with you. But for some reason, you may be a good target for them. Well, Because maybe because you do have that leadership within yourself, that, that compassion, that empathy, that you may feel like a mother to them so they could have their toddler tantrum. Right. Well, yes, but sometimes you instigate that tantrum. I'm remembering an incident. Are you saying you as in me? I'm saying that I'm saying you as in me, actually. I can remember an incident where we were going through, we were reviewing code, blah, blah, blah. That means I'm looking very deeply at what's going on and I'm asking questions and I'm trying to get to the root of something. And an, another developer was presenting and he was a father and he was older than me and da, 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 da right? Theoretically more mature. 
And he just, at one point I was like, so is this what's happening? And he got mad and he had a tantrum right in front of me. And it's because of what I said, because I think what he wanted to hear was, this is brilliant code. You're a good guy. No, that's like not you. your fault. That was not your again. That not was not you instigating. Fault, but I no, you were not the instigator. I, pull, I pulled it out of him. No, you didn't, babe. If nobody would have said anything, he wouldn't have had it. You know what? From. Someone would have said something, or a pin might have dropped, and he would have lost his freaking. And mind. that is possible. So but it was no, my pin. You cannot blame that on I'm yourself. I'm not blaming myself for it, but I am saying that I do instigate sometimes. No, that's what I'm saying. That was not you instigating unless you said, yo, you suck. And you did not say that. No. What people have to understand is, no, that that you are not instigating this. It would have happened either way. All right. If it wasn't you, it could have been his wife or his partner, or whatever. It could have been his dog. It could have been some person on the road w- driving. You know, it will have gotten unleashed in some other way is what I'm saying. And that brings us back to capacity. When someone is full, they have no longer the ability to hold something, which means understand something, to have empathy. There's no room for empathy. That that will result in a tantrum or disease like they have a heart attack because it's just building up do you understand yes you are not the instigator babe it's not like i'm holding on to this i'm just saying no, i'm just talking for our friends out there too and for myself okay you just know? feels like a hammering on me now woman no because it, i mean that's totally no we cannot assume the responsibility for someone's tantrums someone is having a tantrum because they're in pain it has nothing to do with you, and I want people to understand that. Okay. In a way, I'm also repeating it for myself to remember that. <laughs> right. Well, no, it's it's certainly, you know, people have just a plethora of options to respond to whatever it is I say to them. And sometimes, you know, once in a blue moon, somebody reacts in the worst possible way. Remember what? <sighs> okay. All great martial artists say this, but also Sensei Chicken Legs would say it. That hey, he was he was decent. Come I on, I just said, I just said, mar- great martial artists say this, including Sensei okay. Chicken. Including, Legs. I thought you said and. Oh, maybe I did. I don't know. Okay, so he was still great. All right, but Sensei Chicken Legs would always say that the best moves are the easiest moves, right? When right. you're lazy. I'm lazy. So when you're tired, when your muscles are exhausted, you just, you do things better in a way. You're more flexible. You're more able to, you're more apt to go with the flow, correct? That is definitely How else true. would you describe no, that? No, no, The whole laziness true. aspect. All right. So I'm thinking of really old people and they tend to have <laughs> more patience. Right. Why is that? Maybe because they're freaking tired. Maybe. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And they can surpass all that BS and say, this is some ridiculousness. I'm mm-hmm. not going to participate, but this is what's up. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, no. I get it. So so to come to that state of laziness about it, mm-hmm. not laziness like I don't care about you. I'm not going to do anything. Laziness as in martial arts aspect of laziness in that. You're not going to engage with coming back with the same force or if not a bigger force to combat. Right. It's not about combat. It's about a flow and it's about not 
engaging in that I really want to say the bad word, but not engaging in the messed up stuff, mm-hmm. right? It's about what's the common thing in Aikido we did? When someone's attacking you, we let them go on their way. If they really want to go this way, please help them, allow them to keep going that way. And sometimes even faster. Can you explain that? I'm not saying it right. All, uh, quote unquote, in Aikido teaches us all attacks, A, are circles, and B, they always have a direction. Usually it's at your face, but whatever. So if somebody is moving towards your, if somebody is moving with a fist towards your chin, the worst thing you can do is stop that motion from happening. You certainly aren't going to let them hit you on the chin, but on some level, by the time they realize that their motion was at your chin, which in point of fact, motion being circular, it's probably still, it's probably going, you can extend it up or you can extend it down, probably up in that case. By the time they realize that they haven't connected with your chin, their hand is maybe behind their back and they're on the ground. Right. Because you haven't said, I'm stopping you from doing anything. What you've said is, I'm going to let you do this to the absurd extreme, which is going to end up with you on your butt. And without you being in the way is the obstacle. Right. Right. I am not going to hinder that motion. I'm going to extend that motion. So another example would be someone is coming at you with a, a fist, a punch. You're not going to take your fist and meet their punch with a punch. It will result in an explosion and both of you getting hurt. Definitely one of you getting hurt. So what <laughs> you're going to do is you're kind of stepping to the side a little bit and meeting that punch and letting that person keep going in that direction, but you're not opposing them. You're on their side. You're by them. You're shoulder to shoulder with them. Am I saying it right? Yeah, no, no, no. And that's that's that absolutely is one way of doing it for sure. So you're guiding them. Right. They are not going to destroy you with their blow, but you're going you're now the guide for them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying about leadership. Right? It's all about you being the guide. So if someone is throwing a tantrum at you, to be a really good leader, you have to be a good mother and a good father and put your stuff aside, not take anything personally because this tantrum is happening. Just think about it. If there's a dirty diaper and there's screaming happening, are you going to take that personally? (laughs) Like, I instigated that poop to come. No. The person has poop and they need a change. Right. No, no, no. Absolutely right. And, and, you know, taking it to that level when the person is perhaps acting that infant, that mm, with so much infantility, there's no good word. I can't find it. Um, Yeah, absolutely. In those cases, yes, you have to be more than just a servant leader. On some level, you have to be the parent. Right. And I would say you're absolutely right in saying a servant leader does indeed have to bring people back to center. But a parent has to do it even more, if you will. Yeah. You have to you have to find a way to have the capacity enough to be caring enough to not take it personally and help them. Right. Which now makes me think of this person I told you about. And I said, "Okay, I'm done with them." Mm -hmm. do I care enough 
to allow for something to develop? Right. Or am I totally done and I now, <laughs> I don't want to say the word, but, um, you know, uh, what do I say? Am I done with this person completely? Right. And that, that can be a tough thing, particularly in the friendship arena when somebody says something so, you know, everybody has. I always Deal like breaker. To, I always like to describe the fact that it doesn't matter how long you've been at a job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are 10 words you can string together. God knows what they are. Maybe it's 20, maybe it's 100, but it doesn't matter. There's a series of words you could string together that would get you fired. In the same way, inside of a friendship, there are 10 or 100 words that you can string together that will end that friendship. Right. You know, odds are. And, you know, uh, again, speaking about rules and not exceptions, because I'm sure everybody would be, be like, but my best friend, who knows? Maybe you've got something so utterly beyond special, but there are things you can say. And, and it's about, you know, has that person said those 10 or 100 words, or can you be big enough to ignore or move past that attack? And, you know, sometimes the answer has to be, sadly, no, just to keep the integrity of yourself. If they so invalidate you that, you know, if they so invalidate, they strip you all the way down. Like I talk about how, you know, I consider my personality like an onion. If they cut all the way to the heart of the onion, can you, all the way in, can you let that go? I wish. And for me, it's no. But that's me. I'm, you know, I'm a, maybe I'm a fool. Maybe I'm an ass. But, you know, on some level, I have to keep that sense of self. And, you know, this is, this is our perspective. And it's not the end-all, be-all. Like, I really wish we had whoever wrote Ted Lasso, that hey, character. Um, I want to talk to them because... I feel you. How would a Ted Lasso deal with it? Right. Like, cutting so in, in, in. And, you know, they have the luxury of saying, well, yeah, but this is just a character and I can control who, what people say to him and, and what happens to him. And I can show him in the light I want to show him in. Because you know what? Everybody has a terrible day. And that's the brilliance of that character is they show him in the terrible day, in well, yeah, terrible but... situations, right? But he still is an exceptional human being. He'll break down, but wow, he's still... I mean, I haven't seen the whole series yet, but <laughs> you have. I really... Okay, let's... Can we find... Whoever wrote that and talked to them. I don't know. Because seriously, you and I, I think we have had enough hurts where we're like, hey, if you're going to reach this part of the onion, you're dead to me. There you go. <laughs> but would Ted Lasso say that? Right. Great question. So this is just our perspective. Right. I wonder what what it is out there. Mm -hmm. Let us know, guys. Do you have anything else you want to say? Wow. It, it feels like we've kind of covered, it feels like we've, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes. It feels like we've kind of covered every, everything. It's just that whenever we end the show, you always say to me, oh, you didn't t let me talk about this. <laughs> I was going to wind it down and say, all right, guys, you're listening. I would love to, we would love to know your thoughts because, I mean, this is just our perspective. What's yours? If someone gets to the heart of the onion, are you done? Should you be done? 
Should you, would you, would you want to be done? <laughs> Can you look at yourself in the mirror if you say you're not done? And on and on and on. This is, wow, this is intense. And I, What's I you the know, answer? for me, I am not Jesus the Christ. I am not, <laughs> you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I'm not, you know, everybody has that moment. I, I think, but that's me and am I projecting? It's kind of fun. All right. Well, let us know. Can we wind it up? We can wind it up. All right. Reach out to us, ourfriendlyworld.com. And thank you to all our wonderful listeners. We're so grateful. Absolutely. We're really starting to pop around the world. And I'm just in awe of you. Thank you for listening to us. Please send us notes. And rate our podcast. Yeah. Can you please... Um, Leave five stars. <laughs> Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? Anywhere between. No, one, no, please. The maximum number of stars. Please. Can you please? <laughs> no, but what we're really trying to do is start a movement where we create a compassionate world through friendship. And there are other things we're working on right as we speak. So there are big things that we're working on. We want to work on it on a global sense to to make this world more compassionate and to develop friendships, true, true friendships. So once again, you know our website, ourfriendlyworld.com. Please rate us kindly and um, leave us a review. And also just reach out to us because we need friends too. And that's about, do you want to add anything? Bye-bye. What? <laughs> All right. Well, we're here. We never have an off. Uh, we never go off. We are always having a show every week, a new show every week. That's our commitment. We will, if someday we ever get to have a vacation, we'll still record. We'll still have a show during the vacation. Right, babe? Yes. We love this. We love connecting. All right. We'll talk to you in a few days. Have a beautiful everyday. Talk to you later. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye.